2: It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor.
3: Oh, my goodness, that's the longest home run to center field we have seen in this ball. TC Martin. <laughs>
2: now in
0: yes it is it is a wednesday middle of the work week the proverbial hump day glad to have you with us tc martin ballpark vgk frank that's almost like rvd b p f v g k frank what's going on man
3: I don't know. I'm all confused with all the... Didn't know we are going to be reciting the <laughs> alphabet today. Confuse the cat. He's a confused the cat. There it is.
0: Confuse the cat? Come on, man. We'll try it again. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. B-P-F-V-G-K.
3: Perfectly Frank. What's going on, my man? Oh, uh, you know, just getting ready for another uh, hump day. Uh, went and saw the Vegas Golden Knights last night. Yeah. Very strange in that environment. Mm-hmm. But uh saw an in- interesting game. Vegas was the better team. St. Louis had the better goalie.
0: Last night they did. That 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 is true. Even though uh, we had a plethora of goals, again, uh, you know, four four at the end of regulation. What a five on
3: three didn't hurt.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Five 4 the final shootout, and the Blues get the victory over the Golden Knights. We'll uh, recap that for you. Watching that there live at T-Mobile Arena. Hat trick for Pacioretty. Yes, very true. Very true. Near. Pat, uh, hat trick for David Perron, the former Golden Knight. He had
3: two goals early. Yeah. And he, he was trying for that third he was, one. He, was. he did get one in the shootout, but that doesn't count.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good point. All right. Petrangelo versus the old team we talked about yesterday.
3: He was kind of a non factor last night. Yeah. He didn't exactly light it up or nothing. So, huh. yeah. I mean, I, I expected a little bit more out of him. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it, it, like I say, it was an interesting game. I kind of personally think, and I know some Vegas Golden Knights fans today are upset about it, but. The way I look at it, if you're a Golden Knights fan, they stole a point. Yes. You know, even though they did outplay him, Bennington was the better goaltender because Leonard started out a little bit rocky, especially in that first period. He came on strong and made some big saves when he needed to down the stretch to keep him in it, but um, they got a point out of it. They wanted the two, but you know what? Every point counts. There was that point last night where you and I were saying,
0: hey, (laughs) maybe Florida might be entering this game, but since DeBoer – Hey, well, DeBoer didn't have anything to do with that. That's another part of the story. did not coach last night. A very uh, strange situation yeah, there. When your yeah. coaches
3: find out four hours before the game that they're all getting thrown together to coach a hockey game.
0: <laughs> yes. yeah. And, again, the Vegas Golden Knights coaching staff, led by Peter DeBoer, uh, not allowed to coach uh, last night because uh, someone in the Golden Knights coaching entourage tested positive. Kelly McCrimmon, the general manager, he uh, was calling the shot, so to speak, last night. So... Uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow when these teams get together again tomorrow at T-Mobile for the second go-round between the Blues and uh, the the Golden Knights. But yeah, a lot to to look at there, a lot to uncover. But uh, Leonard not very good last night, and I think that uh, if we knew that Flory was not going to be getting the start tomorrow night, he may have replaced him. Even though you know early on in the season you never know, but since uh, DeBoer is going with this every other game while they're doing the fifty-fifty split. Kind of knew that. Okay, he's probably just going to stick with Leonard no matter what, and he stuck with him and almost got away with getting a victory last
3: night as well too. Yeah, and so, there was even some talk. I know some people were wondering if if they were going to put Flurry in for the shootout because Leonard in Chicago. I wow. mean, and and he admitted it back there. He's not good in shootouts. He knows he's not good in shootouts. It's strange because during the course of a game when the flow is going on, he can make big saves on breakaways. He made one or two in that third period and in the overtime, which was just back and forth and back and forth. Both teams had multiple chances. But for whatever reason, when it comes to a shootout, Leonard shows that he is slow. Mm -hmm. You know, he says big man can move when he wants to. Apparently doesn't want to that often a shootout because he can be beat in a shootout, and he is frequently. That was one of the things about him in Chicago. There was even stories in Chicago when he was there that he said, if you guys want to put Crawford or somebody else in for the shootout, I'm I'm not going to fight it.
0: <laughs> that would have been strange to see last night, Especially, you know, bringing Flory in you know, yeah. cold like that. Yeah. yeah.
3: All there of a sudden go. you just see him doing the stretches and right, right, so some right. jumping jacks in the hallway or something. And <laughs> into the game he goes... All right, uh, nice guest lineup on
0: tap uh, today, Uh, Bob Nightingale, the esteemed baseball writer from USA Today, who has a Hall of Fame vote. We will talk with him about the very controversial uh, decisions regarding that. And it's funny, we talk about this every time this year, probably for about a two- or three-day span uh, after the the voting is concluded. And we mentioned on yesterday's show, yesterday, that – yeah, it was yesterday, right? We talked about this. There are no players uh, elected to the, this year's class. Again, no one received the seventy-five percent vote. We talked about Kurt Schilling, how controversial that is. So we'll talk to Bob Nightingale and get his thoughts on that. Again, been covering baseball for the better part of of three decades uh, for the USA Today. So we will get his thoughts. And again, very controversial topic here. With that. So we'll dive into that. Heidi Fang uh, will join us, our good friend who covers the UFC, covers the Raiders, and a plethora of other things for the Las Vegas Review Journal. And Scott Spreitzer, our handicapper extraordinaire. We start talking some early betting action on the Super Bowl and a whole lot more as well. So a lot to dive into. Want to start the program off talking a little NFL. And I've kind of just wanted to, not wanted to, how do I say this? The last few days, people have wanted to talk about the story of Aaron Rodgers and after the debacle of what happened with Matt LaFleur after that game against Tampa Bay where the Packers lost. Aaron Rodgers, the next day on Monday, comes out and, you know, was very dejected. He was dejected after the game. Held his press conference on Monday saying, I don't know what the future is going to be. Uh, there's going to be some, you know, unknown entities on what's going to happen with teammates here and that sort of thing. They have, you know, several guys that are unrestricted free agents, including Aaron Jones, Corey Lindsley, Alan Lazar, just to name a few. So not sure exactly what the Packers roster is going to look like next year. But the more this people are talking about this now, um, there are stories out there that the Green Bay Packers could be looking to move away from Aaron Rodgers. I find that still very, very hard to believe, but there is a prerequisite here. If you go back and and you look at the way the Packers have not only handled his Aaron Rodgers situation, but the way the organization in general has hired their last two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, talking about Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Now, to be fair, the Names of the people have changed, and the people in those positions have changed. Obviously, when Brett Favre got there, you know Mike Holmgren was there. He passed the head coaching and general manager duties to Mike Sherman. Uh, Mike Sherman was relieved of his general manager duty when Ted, they hired Ted Thompson. Sherman stayed on to coach, and then they let Mike Sherman go, and Ted Thompson wanted his own guy. He brought in Mike McCarthy. So when Ted Thompson came in and... Sad news over the weekend that Ted Thompson passed away at the age of 86. Uh, very sad, but Ted has been battling some health problems over the last four or five years, and that's why he had to step down uh, from the GM position a few years back. Mark Murphy is, is is taken over. He took over for Bob Harlan as president. So there have been some different pieces. Now you have Matt Lafleur, you know, after two seasons, and when you look back at the Aaron Rodgers saga here. A lot was made of McCarthy and Rogers not being on the same page. McCarthy gets let go. Rogers seems to be happy. But then again, who are they going to hire as head coach? And they hire a guy who has no head coaching experience. He's been an offensive coordinator. So they hire LaFleur. They basically reports out of Green Bay and around the league saying, okay, is Aaron Rodgers happy with this? So they sat down, they talked immediately. Rogers said, okay, it's. It's 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 fine. You got to remember the Packers were coming off a couple, you know, subpar seasons there where they weren't very good, and there was talk about, okay, well, maybe Aaron Rodgers is going to want to leave Green Bay, even though he just signed a huge contract at that time. Now that contract is, all, I don't want to say you know the middle middle pack of of other quarterbacks, but he's not one of the highest paid quarterbacks. I mean, he's not even in the in the top five or six. So, you go thirteen and three with your first season with the floor, and you get to the NFC Championship game. Now you do lose pretty badly to the 49ers because you can't stop the run last season. And all of a sudden you go, okay, well, this thing has probably worked out. It's fine. Now things are back in Green Bay. 13-3 and season, NFC Championship game, okay. What do the Packers do? They drafted a quarterback in the first round. And that is Jordan Love. Jordan Love, and I've been saying for two years, a average quarterback at best in college at Utah State – and people that follow the Mountain West Conference or UNLV fans know they got a chance to see him just like I did. Like, this guy is nothing special. He had a pretty good sophomore season. Junior year, not so much. Senior year, are you kidding me? No. How does this guy become a first-round pick? And the Packers select him in the first round, upsetting Aaron Rodgers. So the Packers get through all that this season. And Aaron Rodgers has an MVP year. Packers have the number one seed in, in the NFC. They're hosting the NFC Championship game, and they were favored to win. A lot of people thought, okay, this is their best shot. They're going against the aging Tom Brady. The Buccaneers haven't beat a a team besides uh, the Packers and the Saints with winning records. This is looking good for Green Bay. Green Bay gets beat on Sunday, and now all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers is dejected. He's upset, and now we're hearing that the Packers may, underline may, be listening to offers for Aaron Rodgers because he has two years left in his contract. The Green Bay Packers are in the middle of doing what they did with Brett Favre and mishandling this situation all over again. And for me, this is, again, I thought it was just nonsense and talk, but now when you start piecing these things together and start, you know, Rodgers not squashing any of this, He came out yesterday and says, you know, we're going to have a conversation like we do every year at the end of the season. He goes, I'm not going to demand this or demand that. He goes, but we're going to have a conversation and, you know, we're going to talk about things going forward. So, again, unlike Deshaun Watson where he's saying, hey, I want to get out of here and this and that, but Rodgers clearly isn't happy. And, again, when your quarterback, who is going to be a future Hall of Famer, is the face of your franchise He really is holding all the cards here. And I think there is some possibilities here that we could see some movement. I'm really not saying I think it's going to happen. But one of the main reasons why this could happen is because of what just transpired a year ago with Tom Brady leaving the Patriots. And now look what happens this year. Oh, Brady goes to a new team. Breath of fresh air. This guy's still got it. There's life. Because of what we're seeing happen right now with Tom Brady, there are going to be other teams that are now going to come after Aaron Rodgers and offer the Packers packages to try
3: to get their quarterback. So this is becoming more of a realistic story. Well, I, I can see that. You, you said an awful lot of stuff there, and I agree and disagree with some of it. Um, there are similarities to – the number four situation when he was the quarterback there, but love isn't Aaron Rodgers waiting and number four constantly told them he was leaving. He was retiring. He was done. He was doing this, that and the other Rogers hasn't put all that pressure on him. Yeah, he might have said something about I'm thinking about this or that or whatever, but he was still playing and playing at a high level and this year had maybe his best year ever. I mean, the guy was sensational. He's going to be the MVP of the league, and rightfully so. They weren't even they don't they weren't only favored to win the NFC. A lot of people haven't favored to win the whole thing, especially the way they've been playing. So I don't know that love in the background is waiting. They drafted Rogers because number four basically told them, "Hey, I'm going to be going." So they had to have something that in, in place for there. Okay, so that okay that just to clarify, because as
0: you know, I was there right in the middle of that, and that was not the the case actually at all. Well that's what was reported yeah. all over the yeah, country. But that's not what he was. Again, talking to Brett Favre, he basically he wasn't happy when they drafted Aaron Rodgers at that point in time. And he never said, I'm hanging it up, I'm going to hang it up. You gotta remember, going back to what I said, they brought in Ted Thompson to replace Mike Sherman. And Ted Thompson let it be known that he wanted to run things his way. And there was always this saying around twelve sixty five Lombardi Avenue there. Once you hit your thirtieth birthday, Ted's going to kick you out the door. So it, you're saying the it, Packers
3: it, were talking about the retirement. The Packer, more.
0: yes, the pa- Ted okay. Thompson. Yeah. the Packers mishandled this situation, yeah. and, 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 and that's I'm, the case. They I'm, mishandled it big time because Brett Favre. Here's what they did, Frank. They mishandled Brett Favre on where his desire was to stay with the team. Brett Favre never wanted to leave Green Bay. He felt when Ted Thompson came in, when he drafted Rodgers, that they were pushing him aside. They said, you mentor this guy. And Brett says, well, I'm really not a mentor. I'm never going to be a head coach, of that sort of thing, but, but that's fine. And Brett had plenty of, of life still left in his arm, his legs, his desire, and everything. But he felt he was being pushed out by one individual. In, in, in that
3: organization. And Rodgers also fell to them. When that yes. draft first came in place, right. they didn't think Aaron Rodgers was going to be available at that pick. Right. And so they, they said, kind of thought, well, this window him. has been open; yeah. We have to take him here. Yeah. But if Ted Thompson
0: isn't running that draft, they probably still don't take Aaron Rodgers. But he fell to them. They thought, okay, this is good. And Rodgers knew that he was going to sit at least for a couple years. He knew that going into it. And... Uh, Yeah, the relationship was okay with Favre and Rodgers, but this is on the Green Bay Packers because they did not know Brett's true desire because they failed to have those conversations with him. And like any veteran at the end of the season, just like Rodgers is going through now, and Brett was at that age, they said, okay, I'm just going to, you know, after you lose like to the Giants and, and you have home field advantage in that situation where they lost, Brett says, man, you know, this this hurts. I Yeah, I I need some time to 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 think about all this. And I remember how the whole thing transpired, that Thompson and Harlan, those guys came over to his house, and they said, hey, let, let's have this conversation. And Brett says, well, I'm really not ready to have this conversation. But they were. And so after two seasons of that, that's how this whole thing, you know, progressed. And that's why Brett says, no, I'm not done. But if you're going to push me out, then obviously I I would like to go to you know another team and he wanted to go to the Vikings and they go no 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 we're not going we're not going to trade you within the division well, we're not even going to trade you within the conference so if you remember they sent him to purgatory to the jets no, no, I
3: remember yeah, with the jets I, and, and,
0: and and then they then he played one year there and said hey I get to come back to to Vikings and stick it to the Packers and did he stick it to the Packers going all the way to the NFC championship game but the Packers again my point here they're doing the same thing and if anybody thinks that Jordan Love can be Aaron Rodgers, they're out of their brain. They're out of their mind because no way in the world I think this guy could even be a starting quarterback in the NFL. But, again, it's just the Packers doing the moronic
3: thing here, the same thing they did going back 10, 12 years ago. Well, yeah, okay, so, so so, what you're saying, I mean, there's a precedent for this from the past, even though some different people making yeah. decisions that now. And it certainly wouldn't be the first time that we've seen organizations screw things up because they've done it all the time. It's also not the first time that superstars are kind of being pushed out by teams. I mean, Walter Payton in Chicago never wanted to retire. Yep. They made a deal with him, if you read his book and some of the stuff, that they had kind of done a wink-wink, nod-nod, gonna, you're going to be the first black owner of an NFL team. And then that never fell through, but Walter had already given his word that he was stepping aside. So, yeah, I'm not totally surprised that they would push him out on that, but I do find it interesting because you being right there and talking to him on that because I remember all those reports. They made it sound like like Brett was talking to them for years and threatening to retire, almost throwing that in their face mm-hmm. like, I'm going to, and I'll do it on my right. terms and when I want to and this, that, and the other. So it's like, well, what could we do? We had to get somebody because we thought this guy was going to walk away at any time, so it is interesting. It doesn't totally surprise me. But then you also start wondering, it's like, well, then who leaked out all this stuff that Brett was the one saying it all? Yeah, it wasn't even a leak situation.
0: Again, it was was the media basically kind of creating the story. They think, okay, because they always had this... They created this thing about divide with Rodgers and Farr. You never see, saw a divide. You never saw that. And actually, you know, going to practices like I did, you would see the two, you know, working together. And, again, in that quarterback room, they were fine. They were fine. They were totally
3: cool. Right. And But, Rogers but, but like knew, you said, he did say that he's not a mentor and he's not going to do that kind right. of stuff. And then after he did leave, he did kind of take – when Rodgers won that first Super Bowl, mm-hmm. he kind of took the shot and said, well, I'm surprised it didn't come that long with all the talent right. he had around. Right. Looking, right. Right. I mean, I'd have won one by now. Right, Right, right,
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. But there was never that, that real animosity. But it was a story that was driven like, oh, we got this guy and they spent a the first rounder on it. And, th- and the same thing happened with this year with Jalen Hurts. When you go ahead and you draft a guy, even though he was a second round, but it was one of the top picks in the second round, and Wentz is struggling, you know, we see the media doing this. And even the media kind of forced the hand of, of, of Doug Peterson. So that sort of thing, you know, happens. And Brett's going like, anybody that knows Brett, he never wanted to leave. He was so invested in that community. I mean, he was there. It just he had businesses there. He had his home there. And for the most part, yeah, he would go back to Mississippi. But, I mean, he was there all the time. He was doing charitable stuff there. And again, but for him and the kind of guy that he is, he's very sensitive. It's like, wow, they get, these guys want to push me out. These guys want to push me out. So that's, and then, so media reports gets that and it's like, oh, okay, there's, you know, and they blow it up, you know, plain and simple. But this was, this was a Ted Thompson decision, 100%. And that's why there are a lot of people, including myself, that didn't care for Ted Thompson, the way he came in there and maneuvered this team. He disassembled one of the best offensive lines and one of the best running back cores that the Packers have ever had. And he single handedly did that for the reason I said before. It's like, uh, Amon Green, he's 30 now. Forget about it. I mean, look at Chad Clifton. Look at Mark Tauscher. Look at Gilbert Brown. We got to get rid of these guys, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. It's like, why? Things are going pretty good here. You got to remember when they disassembled that offensive line, they had one of the best uh, stats in the history of the NFL, giving up seven sacks the entire season. It's like, you, you, hang on to that. But, again, so the Packers doing what they did with Favre. They're kind of doing it with Rodgers here again. And this is really a win-win situation for Rodgers when you think about it. Because now, if people are going to come to Aaron Rodgers, he's going to be in control. He's going to say, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I want to pick my team. But let's think about it. We, always talk, we talked yesterday about the West Coast. 49ers. Okay? They need a quarterback. He would love to go play in San Francisco. The Rams,
3: as we find out now, they're not happy with Jared Goff, and they shouldn't be. Well, no, the, 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 it, it was announced today that it would be a, an open competition at QB for the Rams. <laughs> right, right, spending the money that they're spending. So very easily they could say goodbye, Jared Goff. So there are two
0: you know, viable situations for Rodgers to go to the Rams and to the Niners
3: wide open. You can even throw in the Philadelphia Eagles. You go over there. Well, I'm sure you could. I mean, there's a lot of teams. There that would are. Say if if Rodgers was available, yeah. there's a lot of teams that yeah. would say, yeah, and I'll of ta- course we're
0: interested. And I'll give you another one. This is going to sound really absurd, you know, considering the way McCarthy and Rodgers, I mean, they were fine. Again, they were fine. There's one the major fallout here, but there are other things that, that were factored in that. But if anybody would pull off a deal like this to pay Aaron Rodgers the, the amount of money, you know it's going to be Jerry Jones. Can you imagine Aaron Rodgers playing for the Dallas Cowboys, especially with the surrounding talent they have, and Rodgers can go into that situation and
3: basically call all the shots Well, because he called it with, with McCarthy and Green Bay. I'll throw another one in there that just popped in my mind where he would be a perfect fit, especially if you're looking for somebody for just a couple seasons. If Drew Brees walked away, with the talent they have in New Orleans, could you imagine him yes. walking down there? Yes. Okay, he's 37. He's replacing the 42 year old, coming off an MVP season. They know they have talent. They like Hill. They don't know Winston's not really. They, he's not going right. to be the quarterback. They still think they have enough talent to win down there. You know, would Rodgers be the thing that finally gets him past and you know beat Tom Brady next? Could you see Rodgers and Brady facing each other twice every season? Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's true. Now, I just don't know how that relationship would go with Peyton, with Sean Peyton. I, Sean I, Peyton, I, I, I that, don't either. That would be questionable. Because I'm telling you right now, if Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, Taysom Hill is not coming in to that game to spell right. and, Aaron Rodgers. And I'm saying,
3: and, and yeah. I'm, I'm just throwing something out and there. And already but, said, but said that Hill's the future. But if you're yeah. talking right. about teams that where he could – because, you know, one of the things, some of these other teams we mentioned, they have a little other work to do too. Right? Rogers isn't going to go someplace if he doesn't think he can win. Like Brady went down to Tampa Bay. He also said, "Hey Gronk, come join me." Mm-hmm. Hey Brown, no, 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 Arians, it's cool. Let's bring him down. Right. He he actually got player personnel say as well. Mm-hmm. So you know, so if Rogers had something, I don't think he's going to go someplace and just say, "Well, yeah, I'm, I'm." He's not in a rebuild. He wants to win wherever he goes i don't know that he can do it with each one of those teams certainly the rams with their defense yeah hell yeah yeah exactly and the <laughs>
0: running backs they got three young good strong running backs as well too you got cooper cup so the rams got plenty if he of healthy yeah <laughs> they got plenty of weapons and even san francisco i mean the the 49ers you gotta remember they were just in, injury you know ravaged yeah and remember oh, they for, were, sure. And they, for sure this past year and they're just in a super bowl and guys like Richard Sherman coming back and like no and Rodgers would love to play in San Francisco. Again, he wanted to go there and thought he was going to be drafted instead
3: of Alex Smith when he came out. So, I it, I I think it's funny too when you mentioned Philadelphia cuz you here we are we're talking about Jordan Love. The Packers are thinking he might be ready, but then he would go to Philadelphia and then they tell Hurts it's like, "Yeah, we yeah, you're a quarterback of the future, but future's not now." Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> you know, right. your future's still a little ways yeah. off now. Yes, you you can play over Carson Wentz. Mm. Not over yeah. Aaron Rodgers. And
0: in that situation where you draft Jordan Love, where you make a huge mistake, you got in, you got to own up to it. Plain and simple. you got to own up to that mistake. It's kind of like you were saying the other day with the goalie situation. We're talking about the Flurry versus Leonard. You're going to, well, the board have to admit, you know, if they make Flurry the, the number one goalkeeper, you have to make that, admit that mistake. And the Packers would have to admit. And it's a huge admit that, hey, well, you know jordan love you know is, is not our guy then why in the hell did you draft him in the first round a guy from utah state who is a average quarterback at best at best he was an average quarterback and you haven't even got a chance to see him other than than practices haven't even really got a chance to see him in any mop-up duty so it's it's one of these situations again and yeah, it's it's probably closer to my heart, but people are talking about it. that's why I wanted to squash it yesterday. I'm like, no, 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 he's not going anywhere. But the more this is out there and the more that we are hearing what we're hearing from Rogers, and Rogers not saying like, oh, squash this, I'm back, we're good, whatever. He's not saying that. And yes, his feelings have been hurt. And again, like I said before, it's like, okay, 13 and 3, we're cool. Wait a minute, you draft this guy, okay. I gotta be silent about it. I got two years left of my deal. Let's just go out there and that'll be my motivation to put have a stellar season and sure enough he did. But now the the way you exit the way you do and you have these questionable play calls by your head coach. He's probably thinking, you know, 2 years ago I thought about this and now let's let's sit back here and see what happens. Oh, uh, by the way, there's that number 1 pick just waiting to take over for me. Yeah. Uh Aaron Rodgers, I'm I'm probably going to think about, you know, my future and now I saw what Tom Brady not only what he he's done all season, but what he did to us, yeah, I can go someplace else and do this. This is the thing now. And we've seen it with LeBron James. We've seen it in other sports. Guys you think that are done, they go to another team, and what Tom Brady did like you just pointed out, hey, I can bring a couple other guys with me. Hey, Devontae, you know, let's, let's, let's work a trade for you. You come over wherever I'm going to end up too. So it's not saying that that would happen, but again, this is the
3: way sports is. In this era right now. Yeah. So so you're saying they're going to trade him to the Jets? <laughs> Impossible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's good. <laughs> no, that's, uh, that will not happen. All right. Funny stuff. All right. Uh, we come back. We'll talk uh, Major League Baseball. Bob Nightingale, one of the uh, best writers, great friend of the program here, and uh, very controversial of uh, the votes that came down yesterday. And Kurt Schilling comes out and makes a very bold statement saying – I don't want to be considered anymore. We'll give you that full statement and talk baseball when we come back. T.C. Martin Show, Ballpark Frank, right here on a wild Wednesday. Wait, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Now, more from your favorite sports radio physician, Aha. the doctor, T.C. Martin. Aha. All right, we turn our attention and talk a little Major League Baseball right now in the... Hall of Fame voting announced yesterday. We touched upon that. We'll uh, dive into that with uh, Bob Nightingale from USA Today. And uh, first, you know, we did, uh, we have talked uh, quite a bit about uh, remembering Hank Aaron when we talked about it on Friday on on our show. And again, uh, Hank Aaron had a memorial service uh, held in Atlanta today with uh, very close friends uh, and family. And I wanted to share uh something, and we've talked about this before and you know the relationship that I have with Dusty Baker, um, how this affected him and Hank Aaron was a mentor to Dusty when he came up as a nineteen year old playing with the Atlanta Braves. And uh till Hank's death, uh Dusty very, very close to uh to Hank uh and his family. Uh so know it was very, very tough time over the last week uh for Dusty and those that were very, very close to to Hank Aaron as well. Um Dusty Released a statement uh, with the Houston Astros and also um, did a a little video um, with the help of uh, Fox Sports Atlanta. And uh, I'd like to share those words that uh, Dusty Baker said last Friday about his friend and mentor, Hank Aaron. Um,
1: I'll see you uh, on Wednesday, but um, but this is a very sad moment for me and my family. As you can tell, man, you're all over my house, um, in my heart, in my mind. Uh, you meant uh, as much to me as is anybody in, in my whole life. I just want to thank you, um, you know, for giving me uh, love, discipline. Sometimes, <laughs> uh, you know, you had to tell me like it was, but I really, really appreciate it and uh, for helping me be the man you know, that I am. And I just want to thank you. It's going to be very, very difficult not to call you uh, whenever I want to or you call me and me being extremely happy to, you know, hear from you. So uh, we all love you. Um, We'll see you uh, in heaven. And um, boy, this is very, very, very difficult. And to all the guys that are there, love y'all.
0: All right, Dusty Baker talking about uh, Hank Aaron and being there today for his memorial service in Atlanta. Uh, let's bring in Bob Nightingale, who has been covering baseball uh, for such a long time, doing a great job with USA Today. Bob, how you doing, my friend?
2: Yeah, doing well. Thanks,
0: D.C. Uh, real quick, before we start talking Hall of Fame, uh, you, you heard Dusty's uh, thoughts there, and uh, obviously you know Hank Aaron as well. Uh, give me your thoughts and your remembrances uh, of Hank Aaron, especially when you, when you heard the news last week.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was done by the news. I mean, obviously even know he's 86, but he's been in good health. So, you know, we just saw him getting his uh, vaccine two weeks ago. So, yeah, just a, a, a great man. I've never seen someone in in baseball held that kind of reverence. You know, I go to uh, Cooperstown every summer for induction. Nobody gets a louder of elevation than, than, you know, Hank Aaron. I mean, not even close. I mean, you're talking about Willie Mays and. Ford was Wizard and Koufax, nobody like Hank Aaron. And when he went to Hall of with in the Hall of Fame at reception before the uh, ceremony on Sunday, on uh, Saturday night, and uh, you know, everybody gravitates toward him. But just a uh, a wonderful man, very in tune with all the sports going on, big in politics and uh you know, I, I think it's a uh you know, he, he dies two days after the you know, the historic election mm-hmm. in uh, what had been going on in the country. had really, really bothered him. So he became more outspoken and uh, became more uh, a, a community leader as the time went on.
0: Very true. You know, Bob, was a very rough, uh, you know, 2020 with all the, the deaths that we saw in, in sports and really the last 10 months with Major League Baseball. We had seven Hall of Famers that passed away. Joe Morgan, Bob Gibson, Tom Seaver, Lou Brock, Whitey Ford, Al Kaline, Phil Necro, uh all passed away during those ten months. Just uh, it's, it's an incredible, um, incredible time frame with all those greats. And then you had others: Bob Watson, Jimmy Wynn, also passed away. And there's so many others during that time. Um, ha, ha, can you ever recall maybe one year like this where we're talking about the deaths of these these, these greats?
2: No, uh, and check with the hall of fame. There's never been a year like this ever. So we, you know, we had seven uh, hall of famers, you know, pass, uh, last year. That's never happened before in, in baseball history and already three this year, you know, we're not even out of January yet. Um, uh, and you know, the first one I want to see was Al Kaline in April. So you're, you know, you're talking about 10 hall of famers in, uh, you know, less than a, less than a year. So yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be sad when you know they have induction ceremony this summer, whether it's you know limited or virtual, whatever. Uh, you know, I, mean, I forget what the percentage is, but they've already lost ten or twelve percent of the Hall of Fame class.
0: You know, in a lot of sports, Bob, there's always that talk, and we, specifically in the NBA and the NFL, the greatest of all time. And we were talking about this the other day when when Hank Aaron passed, and maybe baseball they don't compare so much. I don't know why that is compared to NFL and NBA, but. You know, for me, uh, if I have to pick the best player of all time, I, Hank Aaron probably would be it for me just because of the 25 all-star selections, career 300 hitter, uh, you know, the, the home runs, the RBIs, everything that we talk about with him. But I'm not sure that he maybe gets that, that proper love. Uh, again, you've been covering this sport for such a long time. Where would you rank Hank Aaron as far as greatest of all time?
2: Yeah, I mean, certainly uh, on that Mount Rushmore, for sure. Uh, you know, I mean, that was always like this debate. Who's, uh, you know, the greatest living Hall of Famer? You know, there's it really only two guys. Is it really Mays or is it Hank Aaron? And, uh, you know, I think nationally, across America, when uh, Henry Aaron died, I, I think that really, uh, you know, devastated the country. I, I think just all the love pouring out where, you know, when that, whenever that day comes for Willie, Willie's the oldest living Hall of Famer now, I think there would be, uh, you know, greater outpouring in San Francisco than even there was in Atlanta since uh, since Aaron played in both Milwaukee and Atlanta. But I think nationally, it'd be more of a, still more of a reverence for uh, Hank Aaron. Uh, you know, I think just because of what he went through, breaking Babe Ruth's record, where obviously Willie Mays was an unbelievable player, but you weren't hearing those, you know, those stories, the death threats, and obviously Aaron broke, you know, the greatest record in, in, in all of baseball and Bruce home run record.
0: All right, Bob Nightingale from USA joins us, T.C. Martin, along with Ballpark Frank.
3: You mentioned that he would certainly be on the Mount Rushmore. The first thing that popped in my head was, who would you put on your Mount Rushmore? Who would the other three be with Hank Aaron? Or, or is there like a couple that are are sure are sure bets, and then there's a couple that you think, well, I'm not really sure exactly who three and four might be.
2: Yeah, I mean, when you go back and stuff, I mean, uh, yeah, we all know what Jackie Robinson meant for history. But you know, no one says he's one of the top, you know, five or ten, you know, greatest ballplayers ever. I'll tell you one guy, and I'll well, be that I said it. I, you know, one of the greatest players I think in baseball history is is Barry you know, Bonds. Mm-hmm. I mean, what he did was mind-boggling. I mean, uh, you know, we'll never see anything like that again. You know, whatever, you know, people accuse him of or whatever he did, still, it was unbelievable, uh, you know, what this man did. You know, then you probably, you know, throw in the, uh, you know, a, a, a Whitey Ford, uh, you know, Bob Gibson. I don't think he was a more fierce competitor than, you know, the Bob Gibson. You know, and then, of course, you go back in the days with, you know, the Christian Mathewson and, you know, Cy Young and all, all that stuff when guys were, you know, making 45 starts a year and, you know, throwing 300 or innings. Well, we'll certainly we'll never see that again.
0: All right, Bob. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, National Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, the news came out yesterday. No players will be inducted this year. No one re- uh, got the 75% vote that's required. Kurt uh, Schilling was the closest. He was 16 votes shy, 285 votes, he got 71%. So. Kurt Schilling comes out and makes this statement, and I want our listeners to hear this, and here's what Kurt Schilling had to say afterwards. He goes, I will not participate in the final year of voting. I am requesting to be removed from the ballot. I'll defer to the Veterans Committee and men whose opinions actually matter and who are in position to actually judge a player. I don't think I'm a Hall of Famer, as often as I stated, but at former players' But if former players think I am, then I'll accept that with honor. I've certainly been exposed to racism and sexism and homophobia as it's part of who human beings are. I've played with and talked with gay teammates. I've played with wife beaters, adulterers, drug addicts, alcoholics. I've never hit a woman, driven drunk done drugs, PEDs, or otherwise, assaulted anyone, or committed any sort of a crime. But I'm now somehow in a conversation with two men who cheated, and instead of being accountable, they chose to destroy others' lives to protect their life. Kurt Schilling said this yesterday. Give me your thoughts when you hear that.
2: Well, I was just surprised that, you know, so quickly after the uh, not getting in, and he had sent the letter in the day before, preparing not to be in, uh, but, yeah, just so much frustration. I, I think people are painting him, you know, into almost like a monster type guy. Uh, you know, he has a great point. He should not be linked in with Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Completely separate issues. Uh, no one's accusing, you know, uh, Kirk Schilling of using steroids. It's just, you know, a different thing. Uh, you know, and then I'm sure, you know, when he's talking on the ballot, well, you know, Omar Vizcail was uh, allegations, of, uh, you know, abusing his ex-wife. Uh, the DWIs, he's probably talking about Todd Hilton, who was, I think, pulled over, arrested twice for per- DWI charges. So you go on and on. Uh, but, yeah, yeah it, it'll be interesting what he does this year. Will he just keep going, you know, full on on social media and Twitter, you know, blasting away, or will he be, you know, more quiet? Uh, the one thing I will say about Schilling is It would have been easy for him to just, uh, you know, keep it low level, keep his thoughts to yourself, and just, you know, pop off and and go nuts uh, beginning January 1st when the ballots are all due December 31st. But he didn't care, and uh, almost like he doubled down. And I think the same thing, you know, he may do this year. We'll see. Uh, He won't be off the ballot. Uh, He'll still be on it. And, no, if they are missing writers, you know what? I'm going to vote for I'm going to vote for Schilling because they, uh, he doesn't want me to vote for him. I'm going to get him in there anyway. And I do think you know I know people say, well, he would have ruined the, uh, the the ceremony. He would have been talking about politics and his, his induction speech. I don't think that would have happened at all. I think we just talked strictly about baseball.
0: And it's funny because that is his knock right now. I mean, you can argue the case, okay. Did he have enough wins? Was he that good of a player? Is he a fringe guy to be in the Hall of Fame? But if there's this intangible thing where, again, he got fired for ESPN for his thoughts, he went on social media, and again, he's just been this kind of volatile, anti-almost everything. And I really want to get your thoughts, Bob, because I know you covered him while he played. I have heard stories that he was uh, not a good guy in the clubhouse. He wasn't necessarily a great teammate. I guess it depends on who you talk to here, but but. Really, what was Kurt Schilling like, and what is your opinion of him?
2: Yeah, he was almost, you know I mean kind of verbose, you know not you know going off on tangents like he is now uh you know he wasn't a popular teammate he wasn't I mean you go back to Philadelphia days when Mitch Williams you know came of games to close, you know and you'd see him with a towel over his head, you know Kurt Schilling, you know that kind of stuff, just in like that irritate teammates you know, there's been a lot of starting pitchers like that. It would be tougher to do as a position player. You played every day. But, you know, on that fifth day when he took them out, hey, the mound, teammates, hey, the teammates loved him. Uh, you know, same in Arizona. You know, it's no secret. He and Manny Johnson, you know, didn't get along. But yet, you know, what a one-two punch. You know, certainly the uh, greatest one-two punch going on there when they were the D-backs together. But Johnson won four great Cy Youngs In two of those years, she only finished a you know, runner-up. So, but but he wasn't a cancer. He wasn't a, uh, you know, just uh, people weren't crazy about him sort of thing. So, and he's taking this to a, uh, you know, obviously to a different level.
3: You know, I, I was reading your article in USA Today where you explained why you voted for LaTroy Hawkins, but we're talking about Schilling, and I wanted to get to something that you mentioned there too because, as you have stated, you have voted for Schilling, but you said that if Twitter was around during Schilling's tenure as a player – whose views would have divided a clubhouse, he wouldn't be getting my vote. So has social media and Twitter and that kind of stuff kind of changed how you look at the criteria and different things of players today? Because now that they have a say, some of them are out there, and you know what, maybe it's not just what you do between the lines on the field.
2: Yeah, I mean, they, uh, you know, guys have to be careful what they do on uh, Twitter and stuff and social media. I mean, Bauer, Trevor Bauer taking this thing to a different level. Uh, some people hate you know that, that he 's doing that uh some of the more of the younger audience you know likes it, so yeah, and I met that with Schilling just in the sense if he was saying that stuff like that said on Twitter in a clubhouse, he would have just tore up that clubhouse and been very, very divided so that 's what I meant by that and uh hey, if it doesn 't get in you know i don 't think it's a he it was ever a slam dunk Hall of famer. Uh, when I watched him, I thought standing, Uh you know, postseason season, he was unreal. But never thought, okay, oh, this guy's got to go in the Hall of Fame. Now, I thought Jack Morris should have been in the Hall of Fame. He did by the Veterans Committee, but I thought the writers made a mistake not not getting him in, and I think it's an absolute joke that Fred McGriff's not in. You know, maybe he'll get in by the Veterans Committee as well. So there's been some mistakes made. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not crazy about that total either. I started voting him the year I voted for Roy Holliday, saying, Okay, if I'm voting for Roy Holiday, I gotta start voting for Schilling as well. But you know, I don't I don't think it was we're not comparing him to Bob Gibson here.
0: All right. Bob Nightingale, USA Today, uh, like you've mentioned, you know, you have a vote with us. And obviously this is one of the biggest controversial things every year. It seems like we're talking about this for at least for, you know, 48 hours in, in, in January when uh, these, this news comes across of who's in and who's not. For the second time now in the last nine years, you know, no one is getting in in the ninth time in Major League Baseball history. Do you feel that the voting situation here, and you're one of these guys that, that gets a vote, uh, so I'm curious uh, how you you know view this? Is the situation antiquated because they've basically been doing this format since 1936, and you know there are guys that aren't even writing baseball anymore or covering baseball that get votes. And I can't remember what the number was yesterday. Was, was there what, uh, uh, 10, 12 guys, 14 guys that didn't even turn in ballots. So are we, are we getting this right? Or should we make some changes here, Bob? Well,
2: yeah, 14 guys turn in blank ballots. Cause you need 75%. Hey, I, you know, I love the hall of fame process. It's supposed to be hard. Uh, you know, Baseball Hall of Fame is so much harder to get into than the other, uh, you know, three major sports. So I love that. And as much as Curt Schilling's upset, you know, hey, 71%, people still voted for him. He's just missing the, the 4%. You know, that would be a, a, a landslide in the political uh, election. So, you know, people still think he's a Hall of Famer. I, I like the process. I know I think people social media now and they're you know, torn and they hate the ridicule. Everybody's blasting your vote. You know, you're gonna to have to get in this business as you know, and uh, so I, I think it's still an honor and privilege to vote for the Hall of Fame. You know, and they have uh, the structure now. The standards are, are more stringent as the last few years. It used to be that you, know, you covered a you're a baseball bat for 10 straight years, you had a vote for the rest of your life. Now it's you have a vote 10 years after you're you're done as a full-time writer. Uh, you know, and your vote, your vote is over.
0: So how how do we get to this point where there are fourteen blank ballots? I mean that doesn't seem right at all. What, what can you do to to cure that? And, and why is that happening?
2: Yeah, I mean the fourteen really hurt people because you know it's if you just don't submit a ballot, hey, that's fine. It doesn't hurt anybody. But the blank is almost just you know a, a negative thing to uh, you know to overcome. I mean it takes so much more to uh, you know to get your name out there. Uh, some people were doing that, you know, as a protest, like, oh, these guys played the steroid era. And one guy just voted one year for Jack Morris, and that was it. You know, that sort of thing. So, and this was a record number of blank ballots. Uh, you know, I don't know why there wasn't anybody in the ballot. You don't think it's a Hall of Famer. I think that's silly. Uh, you know, whether, you know, you're not voting for guys with steroid use links or, uh, you know, uh, abuse or political abuse or things like that. You know, there's still certain guys you, you could have checked off for sure that didn't have any of those things around them.
0: But, okay, so the Veterans Committee, they at least change things up like every two years. But again, the same thing, the same procedure since 1936. Wh- why wouldn't you try to make some changes? It just seems crazy that we're going on whatever, 85 years of, of the same thing when the Veterans Committee will change things up.
2: Well, yeah, the Veterans Committee, you know, is supposed to kind of right or wrong or an omission, uh, but hey, you know, they make mistakes. I mean, people went nuts when they voted in uh, Harold Baines a, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. Baines had a nice career, but people say no, he's not. He's not a Hall of Famer. So that's just you know, 16-person committee for uh, for writers, for executives, for uh, ex-players, and for baseball historians. Uh, you know, same thing. You, you get seventy-five percent. You need twelve of those sixteen to, to vote you in. But it's almost a, a, like I said, correct or wrong. Like mm-hmm. they got Jack Morris in. Uh, you know, I, I really hope they get Fred grip in too. We'll see about Schilling, and then we'll see about you know Bonds and Clemens if they don't get if they don't get in next year.
3: Hey, Bob, I want to get your thoughts on something that's always drove me a little bit crazy. When I hear people say, well, this guy's a Hall of Famer, but he's not a first-ballot Hall of Famer, so I'll vote him in in, like, season three or four or something like that when he's eligible – I've always thought if you have room on your ballot and you think a guy's a Hall of Famer, then you should put him on. If you don't have any more spots that you can vote for and he's not there, then maybe you don't vote him that first year. But what are your thoughts on that? Because it's always drove me crazy that, well, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, but not a first ballot. I don't think there's a thing in the Hall of Fame for first ballot, second ballot, third ballot. There's no different separation in the Hall.
2: No, theres isn't. You're absolutely right in the, uh, you know, there's nothing on the plaque that says your first ballot or second, you know, maybe Mario Rivera, since he was a a unanimous, the only unanimous pick, Uh, you know, but that's it. But no, I I think that's silly too. You either think he's a hall of famer or not. Uh, You know, too many people change their, you know, votes too. It's like, you know, Hey, he hasn't played in 10 years. So what do you think things have done differently? But, but you're right. I mean, if, if everybody thought that same way, well, I don't think he's a first year, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer, then he never would have survived the first ballot because he wouldn't have got the 5%. So, you know, think, a lot of people don't think that way or nobody would ever get in. Uh, and I do think that the fact that you have to be more transparent now or most people are transparent is that that's helped Mario Rivera get the 100% and, you know, Jeter, you know, all but one. You know, who knows who didn't vote for Jeter. You know, Griffey all but four. So at least now that that, that part's been cleaned up as well. Bob,
0: final thing for you before we let you go. You, you mentioned you know Bonds and Clemens are going to have one more year, and for pure baseball people, they think it's ludicrous that neither one of these guys have gotten in. You know, Clemens. You know, these guys were acquitted as well too. But what is the percentage of? The guys who vote, the baseball writers of America, that just really do hold some grudges, and they will, like I said, go blank ballots or they'll vote for lesser guys to keep these guys out. Obviously, the talk is out there. What's the percentage that this is, is really happening?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, when you think about the that, that ballots, you know, you know, it's, you know, what, 40% of people think that way, until you see It's only got 60%. I just think it's an absolute joke. I mean, there was no testing. In, uh, in baseball before 2005. Uh, hey, if you're in Las Vegas and you're going to drive to a Lake Tahoe and you know there's not going to be any police cars for the next 200 miles, you're not going 55 miles an hour. And that's what was going on baseball. It was a wild, wild west. So, you know, about half of baseball were doing things. And, you know, it was being encouraged. Managers were encouraging it. GMs, owners. The only time GMs get mad is if a guy was on the juice and got off it you know, once he uh, got traded or, or signed by that team. So it, it's a uh, – uh, it just drives me crazy how Bonds and Clemens aren't in, but yet I bet we've voted five or six uh, steroid guys in the Hall of Fame oh. in the last ten years that weren't even close to these guys. Right. You're right. Uh, Pre, pre-testing,
0: uh, and, you're 100% right. There are guys in there that were on the juice. They got their plaques hanging in Cooperstown. It's there. Yeah.
1: And, yeah.
2: and recently, right. yeah. And you know, and, and next year on the ballot is you know Alex Rodriguez and David Ortiz. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, somebody better not be voting for Alex Rodriguez and then say, well, not voting for Bonds or Clemens. I mean, this guy hurt his team. I mean, he had the longest drug suspension in baseball history, a full year with the uh, Yankees. You know, Manny Ramirez got popped twice. All Bonds and Clemens did would help those teams weren't you know suspended or you know even a, you know penalized a nickel. For anything they ever did. All they did was uh, help their teams make the playoffs. In Bonds' case, he probably helped get them a new ballpark. And right. Lemons won, got the Yankees a few World Series rings.
0: All right, well said, my friend. Hey, great stuff, Bob. Uh, great follow on Twitter, Bob Nightingale. And check out uh, his columns, uh, USA Today, and hopefully we'll have some baseball on time. Is that what you're thinking? We got some baseball on time this year?
2: Yeah, I mean, the union, uh, the union says, hey, all systems go. We don't want to delay. We want full pay. So February 17th. Starts up in uh, Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, and then uh, throughout Florida. opening day April first, and we'll see what happens with the camps. You know whether uh, you know The camps can stay open. Everything else, you know, make sure guys don't uh, test positive because right now in uh, Arizona, for instance, I think the study is one of every nine people you know have COVID. So it's not it's not good right now.
0: All right, Bob. We appreciate the time, my friend, and we look forward to catching up with you very very soon.
2: Look forward to it. All right, thank you, buddy. All right, there it is.
0: Bob Nightingale, USA Today, one of the best. And again, uh, great to talk to a guy who actually has a vote for the Hall of Fame, especially on a controversial day. And Kurt Schilling says, "Hey, take me off. I'm I'm tired of this charade." And again, Kurt Schilling, very outspoken guy, ends up 16 votes shy of, of the Hall of Fame and you have to rely on the Veterans Committee probably.
3: And think about that too. 14 blank ballots. You take those off, and all of a sudden, how much closer is Schilling? He's in, probably. Yeah. Because he was 16 short, yeah. 14 that day. Affects know, the percentage. They don't get in at all. It affects the percentage. Yeah. Interesting. All right.
0: Heidi Fang joins us next hour, as well as Scott Spritzer. We talk a little football, a little MMA as well, too. Don't you dare go anywhere. T.C. Martin Show on a Wild Wednesday.